Let's just pray. Father, we pray that the words we read this morning will be real and challenging. We pray for Kyle as he presents your words to us. Um, We pray for your blessing over him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of, of God for since in the wisdom of, of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, As it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, I did not not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Thanks, Carl. There's, uh, I don't know if everyone got one as you were coming in, but there's uh, a list of uh, kind of quotes and stuff. Uh, if you don't have one of those, there should be a few left on the back table still, I think. Um, so just feel free to jump up and grab one. While I promote something totally irrelevant, this Saturday night there's a great concert on at the Albert Hall last night of the proms. Some really accomplished musicians from the church will be uh, playing in that. So... Uh, Basically me and the, and the Stuart family. But uh, it'll be great fun and bring your uh, UK paraphernalia. Actually the, uh, <coughs> the ABC broadcast the real last night of the proms on the radio yesterday. Solid two hours and 40 minutes of uh, 
good fun. Well, we're uh, continuing this morning our, uh, our series on the Bible, looking at what the Bible says uh, about the Bible. Uh, and we saw uh, two weeks ago in our first uh, sermon on, in this series that uh, the Bible is God's words written for his people by his spirit about his son. And last week we saw that the Bible is God's authoritative word. Uh, it's God's word to us and we need to listen to God speaking to us in the Bible. But this morning we're asking another very important question which is, is the Bible clear? Uh, can the Bible be understood? If God is uh, speaking to us in the Bible, can we be sure that we have understood him correctly? Uh, how can the Bible be clear when so many people disagree about what it says? How can the Bible be clear when some parts seem really very confusing? Well, Paul, Paul uh, answers a lot of those questions in that passage that Marty read for us uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and, and 2. And there he contrasts the message of the Bible, the good news about salvation in Jesus, with the philosophers of the age. And he says there in verse 19, uh, I will destroy, destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Paul's uh, saying that God's message has uh, put to shame the wise people of the world and made them look foolish. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul describes his own message that he brought to the Corinthians. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. The message that Paul brought was not a complicated message. It wasn't a message of superior wisdom, dressed up in kind of fine language and impressive speech, but it was a simple message. It was a message that was brought in weakness and in great fear. The obstacle, according to Paul, is not that the Bible is too complicated, but that the good news about Jesus is too simple. It's too straightforward. It seems too foolish. It breaks all the rules of human wisdom. Paul then goes on to describe the Corinthians and what kind of people they were. They'd received the gospel. What kind of people were the people who'd understood and believed the gospel? Well, Paul says in verse 26, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the, uh, and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Who are the people who had heard the gospel and received the gospel and believed the gospel, they weren't just the doctors and the lawyers and the university academics and the, and the wealthy businessmen. They were ordinary people. They were simple people. They were the lowly and despised people. 
The message of the Gospel, Paul is saying, doesn't require you to be some kind of great intellect. You don't have to be in the, uh, the top 98% per- you know, of, the, of the band in your uh, high school certificate. It's not called that down here, is it? What's it called? TCE. Anyway. But uh, you don't have to be in the top percentile in that in order to understand the Gospel because the Gospel is clear to high and to low alike. Christ, Paul says, is for us wisdom from God. The wisdom comes from God to us through Christ Jesus. And the idea that the message of the Bible is clear is not just a New Testament phenomenon, it's an Old Testament phenomenon as well. Uh, We sometimes come to the Bible and go, well, I understand the New Testament, but but the Old Testament... Is, uh, is, is baffling to me. And there's a, there's a sense in which that's true to some extent. But listen to these statements from God in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, God says, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult. Uh, it's not beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Paul, uh, sorry, Paul, Moses. Moses is saying in Deuteronomy that God's words and ideas aren't far off. They're not distant. They're not expressed in a heavenly language which is too hard for us to understand and to comprehend. His words, God's words and ideas aren't... Uh, too difficult or beyond our reach. They're not in heaven that somebody needs to go up and get them for us and they're not on the other side of the sea that we need to cross great distances to get to them. No, they're near us. God says they're in our mouths and in our hearts so that we can obey them. God's words are accessible and clear. That's what Moses is saying. Or listen to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. That is, the words of God in the Bible don't just come to really, really smart people, but the words of God in the Bible actually take simple people and make them wise. God's words can transform simple people into wise people. Because God's wisdom is powerful and God's wisdom is wiser than man's wisdom. Uh, R.C. Sproul rightly asks the question, what kind of God would reveal his love and redemption in terms so technical and concepts so profound that only an elite core of professional scholars could understand them? God hasn't revealed his love and his redemption to Bible scholars and to, uh, and to great intellects, God has made his message very clear to ordinary people like you and me. Well, throughout the history of the church, uh, some people have made some really beautiful statements about the clarity of the Bible. And if you're the kind of person who thinks to yourself, the Bible is too hard for me, the message of the Gospel is too hard for me, then I hope that uh, some of these uh, quotes from people in the past might encourage you to believe that God is speaking to you as well, that God is speaking to everybody. So here's the the first one. You've got it there on your your sheet. It comes from uh, Archbishop Cranmer uh, who wrote 
in the 16th century, Pharaoh St Augustine says, the knowledge of Holy Scripture is a great, large and a high palace, but the door is very low, so that the high and arrogant man cannot run in, but he must stoop low and humble himself that shall enter into it. Well, you might remember those words a few weeks ago from uh, Calvin. For who is so devoid of intellect as to not understand that God is so, in so speaking lisps with us as nurses are wont to do with little children. Such modes of expression, therefore, do not so much express what kind of a being God is as accommodate the knowledge of him to our feebleness. In doing so, he must, of course, stoop far below his proper height. God is so kind, Calvin says, that he speaks to us like mothers speak to their children so that we can understand him. Now, that doesn't mean that all the parts of the Bible are all equally clear. Uh, it doesn't mean that Revelation is as easy to understand as John's Gospel. The Apostle Peter, uh, who you would think would know his stuff, said that Paul's letters were hard to understand. So let that be an encouragement next time you're reading uh, a letter from Paul and you think this is hard to understand. Well, be encouraged that Peter thought it was hard too. Clearly some parts of the Bible are more difficult than others, but the central message, the message about Jesus, the message about salvation, about repentance, about faith, about the cross of Jesus, about the resurrection, about the new birth, about the work of the Spirit, the central message of the Bible about salvation, the things that we need to know in order to be saved are clear. Uh, It's often been said, and you might have heard it before, that the Bible is shallow enough for a child to wade in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in. The Bible is not one depth. It's lots of different complexities. But the core message, the basic message, is accessible to all of us. I love these uh, words again from, uh, from Cranmer. And he writes, And concerning the hardness of Scripture, he that is so weak that he is not able to bear strong meat, yet he may suck the sweet and tender milk and defer the rest until he wax stronger, that is, get stronger and come to more knowledge. For God receives the learned and the unlearned and casts away none but is indifferent to all. And the scripture is full as well of low valleys, plain ways and easy for every man to use and to walk in as also of high hills and mountains which few men can climb unto. Isn't that a beautiful description? What's the Bible like? It's, it's full of... of straight paths and low places and, and, and easy ways that everyone can walk in, but it's also got those high mountains. You know, some of us like to do bushwalking, some of us like to go rock climbing. What a great adventure. Well, the Bible's a great adventure as well. There's easy places and there's hard places and it's great to try and climb as high as you can and learn more about the knowledge of God. But the basic point is that the message of the Bible about salvation in Jesus Christ, that message of God in the Bible is abundantly uh, clear. So uh, why then, if the Bible is clear, uh, why do so many people misunderstand it or not believe it? Why are there so many different interpretations? Uh, It's worth saying, I think, uh, at the start, that there's not actually that many different interpretations, I don't think, 
Uh, if you sat down and counted them, I think you probably wouldn't come up with that many. Uh, for the most part, Christians throughout history have agreed on the basic facts about Christianity and the clear message of the Bible. They've agreed that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, they've agreed that Jesus, the Father and the Spirit of the Trinity, that Jesus came to earth as a man, that he was fully God, that he was fully man uh, at the same time. There's really actually an, an incredible amount of agreement between people. So when people say, why are there so many different interpretations? Well, in some sense, there isn't. There's a stunning amount of agreement. And yet, it is true that there is still misunderstanding. There are still people who misunderstand and people who distort the message of the Bible. Why is that? Why is that if the Bible is clear? Well, look at what Paul says uh, in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians. uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. The reason, uh, says Paul, that people misunderstood the gospel is because the message of the gospel is actually a different kind of wisdom. It's actually too wise and too true. The message of the gospel is the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God seems like foolishness to humanity. Uh, Look at verse 14. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God so they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The things that come from God the natural person can't comprehend. They they don't make sense. They're foolishness. In uh, 2 Corinthians 3 uh, Paul describes it no sorry 2 Corinthians 4 uh, Paul describes it you've got this on your sheet Like this he says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Jesus says it in an even more powerful way I think in John chapter 8. This is a chilling verse. He says uh, to some of the Pharisees, Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. It's because Jesus is speaking the truth that they don't believe him. Their hearts are so predisposed to rejecting the truth that because it's the truth, they can't accept it. The problem is not that the Bible is unclear. Rather, the problem is that our hearts and minds can't grasp the truth. The problem is not the Bible. The Bible it's not the Bible's fault. The fault is ours. It's like somebody looking at a picture. Uh, and, you know, and they don't have their glasses on. And uh, that person complaining, well, this person has painted a blurry picture. 
It's not the picture's fault. It's their eyes that are the fault that, that are at fault. And it's the same with the Bible. It's not the Bible which is unclear, but it's the eyes of our hearts and our minds which are murky and which distort the clear message of the Bible. We like to think that we're impartial judges of the truth, I think. Uh, But the Bible says that's not true. The Bible says that our minds and our hearts are distorted by our own sin and that we are predisposed, that our inclination is actually to reject the truth of the Bible even when it's really, really clear. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. That is, creation tells the story of the wonderful majesty of God. We can see it everywhere that we look. And yet so many people can't see it, can they? I don't know if anyone saw Catalyst a few weeks ago. Uh, it was on the fine-tuning of the universe. I don't know if you're au fait with the uh, fine-tuning of the universe, but basically the idea is that in physics and in science there's lots of uh, things like, there's all these uh, constants and things in mathematical equations and lots of other things like the existence of Jupiter and whatever that protects the, the Earth from asteroids and all kinds of things. There's all these things that are just so, that are just precisely so and if they were off by just the, the most minuscule amount then life could never exist. And so Catalyst was asking all these physicists uh, why the universe was so finely tuned, so, uh, you know, well-tuned for life. And the answers that some of the people gave, some of these physicists gave, were stunning, to say the least. Uh, one, of the, one of the most prominent ideas at the moment is the multiverse, which actually there's an infinite number of uh, parallel universes, um, which of course there's no evidence for, but that doesn't stop uh, physicists who are determined to decide everything on the basis of what they can observe. But... Uh, one of the, uh, the great uh, answers came from, I think it was Paul Davies, uh, who is a physicist and a writer, and Paul Davies said his suggestion was that intelligent people from the future went back to the past and ordered the world so that it arrived at the position that we find it today. <laughs> I mean, fair dinkum, you don't want to mock people. But that's stunning, isn't it? The heavens declare the glory of God and day after day they pour forth speech and people can't see it. Is it because it's not clear? Or is it because our hearts are so hard and so predisposed to reject God that we can't see it? Because I tell you the truth. You cannot believe. The Bible is clear. It's us who are murky. Well, if the greatest obstacle to understanding the Bible then is our own hearts and minds, then the obvious question, I think, is how can we ever hope to understand it and have confidence that we have understood it? Well, Paul answers that question in this passage in 1 Corinthians as well. In verse 10 of chapter 2 he says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. 
The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. That is, we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but communicating with someone is inherently problematic. I'm guessing that if you're married, you've probably discovered that. And even if you're not married, you've probably discovered that communication is, tends to be flawed. And there are so many points of failure uh, in communication. Uh, first of all, I might not actually, if I'm trying to communicate to you, I might not actually say what I mean to say. So in my head I have the ideas clear, but then the words that I use aren't the words that I mean to use. Then, of course, uh, we might be in a noisy room or you kind of might zone out for a moment and so you don't actually hear exactly what I say. You mishear the words that I've chosen to use. But even if I use exactly the words that I mean to say and you hear every single word that I, that I have said, you still might misunderstand what I've said. You might not have the concepts uh, to understand what I've said or you might be thinking about it in a different way or, or whatever it might be. How can two people ever hope to communicate effectively and truthfully? Well, that, uh, that basic and profound concern has led to a movement uh, in, the rec- in recent times which has been labelled postmodernism. Uh, and postmodernism believes that uh, a writer communicating to a reader is basically a, a forlorn hope. You know, that, that, uh, you, you can't do it. It's a waste of time. Uh, postmoderns essentially believe that a, a written text can't be interpreted. Uh, That means, you might have noticed, that means that people no longer ask the question, what did the artist mean by this book or poem or film or artwork? Instead people ask, what does this mean to me? Though nobody ever says anymore, what was the the photographer trying to say by taking this photo? What were they trying to communicate by that? Nobody asks that question anymore because it's a lost hope. Instead they ask, well, what does it mean to you? You know, make up your your own meaning, basically. Ironically, the people who believe that it's impossible to communicate through books and art and literature and so on still write books and produce art trying to communicate the idea that they can't communicate, which I think is a wonderful irony. But that's because communication isn't as bad as it could be. I mean, the worst case scenario is that you can't understand anything, but, but the truth is that communication is still a whole lot better than that. Conversations, back and forth, questions and answers, saying the same thing in multiple ways, lots of times, all those things help to alleviate the possibility of communication going wrong. God does it in the Bible. God says the same thing lots of different times. God says the same things in lots of different ways to make sure that we understand it properly. In a conversation we might say, did you mean X by that? No, I, I meant Y. And so we come to a better understanding of what people are trying to communicate. And yet, 
Well, all that said, the possibility of misunderstanding and miscommunication still exists, doesn't it? After all that, we might still misunderstand. But Paul says that communication between us and God is not like that. It's not like that because we have the Spirit of God. Paul asks the question in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, how can you really know someone else's thoughts? How can you know what someone else is thinking? The only person who knows what someone's thinking is the spirit of that person themselves. And here's Paul's masterstroke. Paul says, but we have the spirit of God. Who has access to the mind of God? The spirit of God himself. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God and he makes them clear to us. He enables us to grasp what we couldn't otherwise grasp. He can ensure that we understand precisely what we need to understand. Paul says in verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. We have the inside track through the Spirit to understanding God. Why is the Bible clear to wise and to simple alike, despite the hardness of our own heart? It's because the Holy Spirit makes the Bible make sense. He makes the Bible powerful and effective to communicate exactly what God meant it to communicate. The Bible is clear, but our hearts and minds are not, and yet the Holy Spirit makes the Bible clear to us. Now let me say uh, a few things about what that doesn't mean in practice, and then I want to finish by saying uh, just one thing or a few things about... uh, what that does mean. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit makes the Bible clear to us? Well, first, what doesn't it mean? First, saying that the Bible is clear through the Holy Spirit is not to say that all of the Bible is immediately clear. Saying that the Bible is clear through the Holy Spirit is not to say that all of the Bible is immediately clear. It's not as though you can sit down with the Bible flopped open and expect that the moment that you read a verse it will become immediately apparent to you what it means. Reading the Bible is a bit like walking into a dark room after you've been out in the sun. You know, At first you go, oh my goodness, I can't see anything. It's pitch black. But the longer you're in the room, the more your eyes adjust. And the more you, you come to think, goodness me... I can see everything so clearly now, I wonder why I ever thought that it was so dark. Reading the Bible is a bit like that. Sometimes you come to it and you go, I can't make head or tail of this. But the longer you spend time in the Bible, the more you begin to understand all the different bits, the more you see it clearly and you go, wow, this is really incredible. This is really clear actually. You only have to look at the plight of the disciples and the Gospels to realise that slow learning is the hallmark of Christian discipleship. They had Jesus as their teacher and they had years of Jesus' teaching and Jesus still had to explain it over and over and over again and often they still didn't get it. They didn't understand it straight away. Jesus had to teach them patiently. In God's wisdom, his plan is that we still learn using normal human means. We learn slowly. We need to exert effort we need to read carefully and prayerfully. We need to reread things. We might get things wrong at first. 
and only understand them correctly later. But what it does mean is that in God's love we know all that we need to know at present. God makes all that we need to know clear and helps us to grow in our understanding. Well, second, uh, saying that the Holy Spirit makes the Bible clear is not the same as saying that all you ever need in order to understand the Bible is you and the Bible. Saying that the Holy Spirit makes the Bible clear is not the same as saying that all you ever need in order to understand the Bible is just you and the Bible. So it's true that God can just use the Bible and the Holy Spirit uh, to help you understand the Bible, but it's clear from what Paul has said and what Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians that that's not what Paul had in mind. So in the next two chapters he goes on to describe the team of gospel workers who were explaining the, the Bible, explaining the message of the gospel. Chapters 12 to 14 show how the church is to work hard together to build each other up in the faith. They're to explain the Bible to each other. They're to teach and, uh, and build each other up in the faith. Jesus, uh, as I've already said, spent a great deal of his ministry explaining the Old Testament. The apostles spent uh, their entire ministry explaining, explaining the Gospel, explaining the Bible to people. The Bible is full of examples of the Holy Spirit using people to explain the Bible to people so that they can understand. There are, uh, I think, two great errors that have plagued the church throughout church history. The first error is to believe that Bible inter- interpretation is locked up with a few privileged individuals. So that was and is, remain, that remains the era of the Catholic Church. The understanding of the Bible is locked up with the uh, magisterium, I think it's called, or something like that. That's also the era of most cults, to believe that the interpretation of the Bible is bound up with a privileged few. The opposite, and actually equally dangerous error, is believing that interpretation is exclusively individual. That's the error of our present Western culture, to believe that all I need is the Bible and myself. The reformers uh, in the 16th century knew those two errors. They'd been around for a long time by then. And they rightly trod the middle ground that the Bible treads, which is that the interpretation of the Bible is for everyone, but God uses the believing community and teachers and elders, in particular in the believing community, in order to help us to understand and to preserve the truth of the Gospel. So if you have trouble reading the Bible and understanding the Bible, then ask somebody to read it with you. You don't have to soldier on on your own and go, well, it's up to me to understand the Bible. If you don't understand, ask somebody for help. That's what God has given them to you for, so that they can help you to understand the Bible. It's God's wonderful gift to us that we have people who can explain the Bible to us. That's why we have growth groups. Actually, in my growth group, they helped me to understand what Psalm 19 meant about uh, making wise the simple. I was like, I don't want to know what that means. What does that mean? They're like, isn't it really obvious, Carl? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I suppose it is, now that you've explained it to me. But that's what we meet together, isn't it? That's when we meet together to study the Bible so that we can help each other to understand the Bible. That's why we come here on Sundays, 
so that we can hear the Bible explained and so we can be challenged to obey and to receive God's words in the Bible. We still need to test everything that's said. We need to test it against the Bible and ask, is that what it's really saying? But the point is, we need each other so that we can understand the Bible better. And God doesn't just use our own present community to help us understand the Bible. He also uses the believing community throughout history. So Christians from other eras can help us to understand the Bible. They help us to see our cultural blind spots, the things that we've lost sight of. It's never a good sign. Here's a warning warning sign. It's never a good sign if someone comes to you and says, everybody else in the history of the church has misunderstood the Bible until me. Let me tell you what it means. It's almost a sure sign that they're a crazy heretic uh, and probably setting out to establish some kind of cult. It is true that lots of people in history have misunderstood the Bible, but it's also true that the Holy Spirit has preserved throughout history a faithful community of people who believed the Gospel and preserved the Gospel and understood the Gospel. When the Reformers reformed the Church and said that uh, they thought that the Catholic Church was teaching errors, they didn't say, everybody has misunderstood it for 1,600 years and we've now got it right. What they tried to do, what they spent an enormous amount of time doing was showing that actually that's what lots of people have believed in the history of the church from the time of the apostles to their day. Now God uses the believing community to help us to understand the Bible. So to say that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible is not to say that the Bible is always immediately clear nor is it to say that we can shun the Christian community or the Christian past. And lastly, what does it mean then? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit makes God's words in the Bible clear? Well, it means that it's not enough to read the Bible and it's not enough to study the Bible. We also need to pray over the Bible. It means that the place to start when you're reading your Bible is by praying, Father, I pray that you'd help me to understand this through the Holy Spirit. It means that the place to start is with humility. Father, I can't understand these words. They're they're confusing to me. They don't make sense. But please grant me your Holy Spirit so that I can understand what you're saying to me in these words. It means that you don't have to be a great Bible scholar or a great intellect in order to understand the Bible. It means that what you need is God's words and God's spirit and the help of the community of God's people that God has given to us so that we can understand the Bible. Is the Bible clear? Yes, the Bible is clear because God has stooped in the Bible to speak to us in words that we can understand like a mother speaking to her baby. Can we understand it? Yes, we can understand it, maybe not all at once but we can understand it because God gives us his spirit so that we can understand it and so that we can receive and trust his words in the Bible. Let me pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken to us. Thank you that those words that you have spoken have been recorded and preserved in the Bible. Lord, thank you that we can read them. And thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to us in a way that we can understand. Lord, uh, we want to confess that our own hearts are hard and that without your spirit, even your clear words in the Bible are beyond us. The wisdom of salvation seems foolishness to us without your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us so that we could hear your words, understand your words, receive your words and trust your words about Jesus Christ and about salvation through him. Lord, we pray that you would help us to believe that your words are clear so that we're not afraid to use them when we speak to people about you. Lord, help us to believe that your Holy Spirit can make them clear to other people as we use them and that your Holy Spirit can use us to help to explain them to other people as well. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't forget your Bible and your words in the Bible because we're afraid that we can't understand them. Lord, help us to believe you and to have boldness to keep using the Bible and to believe that you will help us to understand you more and more every day as we do. Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.